Welcome to Christian Concepts, a weekly show in which I hold thoughtful discussions about Christianity, its concepts, and misconceptions. I'm your host, Taj, and have you ever wondered why so many Christians are conspiracy theorists? If not, well, you probably haven't been speaking to enough Christians. We honestly range anywhere from the doubtful Thomases, which, you know, you have your skeptical uh, approach to just about every official report that we, every headline that we see and read, or all the way to some of us that are literally, you know, wearing tinfoil hats and have zombie-proof bunkers just ready for the apocalypse, right? So I'm talking about, like, just the wide range of everything. And I know, but seriously, what we're going to talk to uh, about today, we're going to discuss exactly why Christians are generally more open to conspiracies and, you know, uh, those types of theories than the general population. And before we dive into all the conspiracy theories and all the craziness, if you will, I have to dive into a few things. First of all, I want to say how the Bible was delivered, what is prophecy, and I know it's going to seem like I'm going all over the place, but trust me, by the end of this, I'm going to land the plane and it's going to come all together, right? And I'm going to deliver on the promise of explaining why Christians generally, uh, or usually I should say, embrace conspiracy theories. See, well, the Bible was delivered via prophets. Now, when I say prophets, uh, I have to really define uh, what that means. Now, the prophet is God's mouthpiece on earth, really. So God is literally using these men to speak with us. Now, back in the day, you know, in uh, the Garden of Eden, when God would literally walk and talk with Adam and uh, his voice is going through the garden, all these different things uh, that we hear, you know, that was the olden days, the good old days when we were in harmony with God. But of course, after the fall, uh, things went sour. For, you know, of course, Adam starts to hide himself from God. And then by the days of Moses, literally when God's voice came down, uh, on top of the mountain to condemn all the craziness that the children of Israel that were doing. They were so terrified that they were literally about to drop dead and they did not want to be terrified by God's voice anymore. And from that point forward, it was always through the prophet that uh, God delivered his message. And in the case of uh, the days of Moses uh, there, and so many prophets through the Old Testament that were used to deliver the message directly to the people rather than God shouting uh, down his commandments from the mountaintops as he did during that time. As the Bible says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's what Second Peter one twenty one says. And really, that's really how the Bible was delivered and the word of God was delivered. Now, after generations of repeating himself over and over and over, of course, the children of Israel always went through those cycles and times where they just doubted God's word. Then he had to deliver the same message again. Death, destruction, and all these different things. He had to save them. And they just kept going around in the circle over and over. And eventually, God just starts to have these men write down his word. And that is generally how we got the scripture. I'm oversimplifying it and speeding through a lot of history, but basically, that's what happened. So what exactly is prophecy? Now, I know, especially growing up uh, when I was in high school and I was watching a lot of movies and all these different things and not so much reading my Bible, when I heard the word prophecy, I, I thought of, say, Star Wars and The Matrix. You know, the prophecy of Anakin, Anakin Skywalker, you know, overthrowing the Sith or whatever it was. And, of course, with Matrix, Neo being the one and all those different things. So to me, the prophecy was always something that had to be fulfilled for some greater story, some hero or something of that nature. But according to the Bible and what we see throughout Christianity, what a prophecy actually is or what prophesying is, 
is actually proclaiming or delivering a message from God. It's simple as that. It's not really uh, as the Matrix with Neo and all these uh, futuristic things, which it can be, but I'll get into that definitely. Uh, so, you know, but generally speaking, a prophet is the mouthpiece of God. He's doing the speaking for God because he's the one in communication with God. And then he's delivering it to the people, the message that God wants uh, delivered. So that is the prophecy itself. And so when a preacher is actually preaching from the Bible and proclaiming the things of God that are in the Bible, that is a form of prophecy. However, when we're talking about prophecy generally, especially when delivering the scripture, delivering these messages, we start to speak about a supernatural uh, connection with God and delivering this message in a way that often uh, involves the prophet telling the future. Now, besides this being just really cool, you know, <laughs> being able to tell what's going to happen tomorrow or uh, uh, anytime during the future, whether it be a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, just in great detail. But really uh, what this is actually does is it legitimizes the prophet as one. Uh, just for an example, uh, in, in the Old Testament, there's just many, 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 many prophets. But uh, Samuel is one of my favorite ones. He shut up the heavens. Uh, you know, he said it was not going to rain until he commanded it to rain. And this proved that he had a connection with God, right? And so many times, the, the prophecy of telling the future and all these supernatural powers, it legitimizes this prophet as being, okay, this is truly a person sent from God to deliver a specific message. But also, it proves God. In the case of Moses with the plagues of Egypt, it's proving that there, this God, the God of the Jews, the God of Israel, the God of Moses, uh, was someone of, of power. This was someone that Pharaoh should really listen to and the world should really take notice of, right? But in the end, the main goal of all prophecy is just to point people towards God, whether that be through salvation, putting their faith in Jesus Christ, whatever it is, uh, being able to examine themselves and see, boy, you know, I really need to take inventory of the things that I'm doing and I need to get closer to God. Whatever it is, they're pointing towards God, right? So that is the main goal of prophecy. And anytime that you, you, you hear about prophecy, you hear about scripture, um, always, it is pointing people towards God in some way or another, right? So how does this tie into the promise of the, you know, the intro that I mentioned? And how does this relate to the Bible and tie in with conspiracies? And what does this have to do with anything you might be wondering? See, the Bible proclaims the future in many ways. And throughout the Bible, there are some just very bold claims being made. Well, one of the easiest ways or one of the most definitive ways, I shouldn't say easiest ways because telling the future is not easy, but uh, one of the most definitive ways to uh, for, for a, a prophet to establish as being a true prophet of God, delivering a message of God, is to give a detailed description, some just, just, just ridiculous uh, foretellings of the future that only a person could know if they literally saw the future as revealed to them by God. Now, the majority of the prophecies, especially in the Old Testament, were fulfilled already, especially in the first coming of, of Jesus. You know, a lot of the prophecies, I mean, just thousands of prophecies pointed towards his arrival and that was fulfilled. But many of them, you know, throughout history, historical marks, the ones I could think of off the top of my head is uh, Alexander the Great in Daniel 8, right? Uh, foretelling of this great king coming out of, uh, of Greece and then his kingdom being split into four and all these different things. And at the time when this, uh, prophecy was, uh, proclaimed, Greece was not a superpower. Greece was not, uh, the Greece of, you know, as we know it historically, right? When that was proclaimed, it was such a far-fetched and detailed thing 
that many people, even uh, reading it in, in retrospect, believe that Daniel could not have been written in the time of the Babylonian Empire as it was because there's just too much detail in it and they they believe it has to be written after the fact. But anyways, uh, whether you believe it was written during that time or not, I can definitely say the people during that time who read that definitely saw it as being proof of God's word. And wow, this is something we should really pay attention to because there's so much detail in it and it legitimized the prophecy. It legitimized the writings of Daniel. But us living today, you know, all of these things have taken place in the past. So when we're looking back at them, you know, it's easy to have a uh, a confirmation bias. Of course, if you're looking for something to be true, then you can find it in history. You can find it in in retrospect. You know, uh, 2020 uh, hindsight is always 2020. When you're looking back, you can find whatever you want and you can see it as clear as day. But there are definitely some things that are foretold that we are currently waiting for because they're about the future from the place of where we're currently standing today. And mainly as in regards to the second coming of Jesus Christ and as we like to call it, the end time prophecies, right? So as Christians, we're always looking forward to those things coming true. Now, here's where things get really interesting. The Bible foretells of a global government with religious powers And it has a global economy with a beloved world leader that is overseeing all of this in direct defiance of God. The things that he's going to be uh, leading the people towards, the population towards, is going to be directly uh, contrasting God's word and it's going to offend the holy God of the Bible. Now, does that sound crazy? I mean, this one world government, one world religion, a charismatic leader that is just uniting these people. Uh, yes, to most people, they'll say that is absolutely ridiculous. There's so many countries. There are so many borders, so many cultures, all these different things, religions, and we can't agree about anything. So how is this system supposed to be set up? I mean, this whole one world order thing just sounds like a crazy, 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 crazy story. And, you know, it's outside of Christianity. There's people that do not believe in the Bible that are always searching for this one world order. But here's the thing, right? A lot of this stuff was dismissed by Christians for centuries. And it was uh, regarded as being some kind of figurative poetic scriptures, you know, it's some kind of poem or it's uh, an allegory or a parable or it's somehow spiritualized. It can't be literal. Well, all of that changed on May 14th, 1948. Now, you might be wondering, like, what happened May 14th, 1948, such a specific date? Well, a lot of these end time prophecies depend on the Jews being in Israel and, of course, being in the temple. But here's the thing. In the year 70 AD, after the Roman Empire just had enough of all the rebellions with the Jews and and, and constantly uh, going to uh, suppress them, they destroyed the temple. They just literally just ransacked the region and the Jews scattered all over the world. The Jews were not in Israel as we know it today from the year 70 AD all the way up until 1948. The Jews, as proclaimed by the Bible uh, in the Old Testament, they were scattered abroad. They were a byword. But what happened is after World War II, the Jews returned to the region. How did that happen? Well, of course, all the atrocities and the Holocaust and all those different things, there were uh, Jews rounded up from all over Europe. They're kicked out of all these different countries. And they, 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 the United Nations, as it was being formed at the end of World War II, 
had no idea what to do with all these Jews that were not welcome in these European countries. They weren't welcome in the U.S. They weren't welcome in just anywhere, really, that they were seeking refuge. Well, the, the solution that they came up with was send them back to Israel. Despite all the atrocities that took place in World War II, I guess you would say the blessing that came out of that is the Jews returned to Israel. And from that point forward, May 14th, 1948, Christians began to re-examine the Bible. The prophecies that were for centuries dismissed as being some kind of spiritual allegory or poetry or whatever it was, was now looked on as being literal. Because for those prophecies to take place, the Jews had to be in Israel. Now, this is where things get really, really crazy. So, of course, we're always looking for the building blocks of this one world system, which great leader is going to unite these nations and this monetary system and all these different things, which is going to be under one common economy, one everything. Um, how is all that going to be put together? But most importantly, what it really, like, what we really look forward to is trying to figure out how the temple is going to be reconstructed. Because for these prophecies to be true, the temple has to be standing. However, where the grounds of the temple is currently the Dome of the Rock, which is a Muslim holy site, which is, sure, it is technically controlled by Israel. However, the ground and the, the, the building itself is operated by the Jordanian royal family and uh, Islamic caretakers that that are not Jewish. They will not sanction the construction of the temple on this ground. First of all, if you're not Muslim, you can't even pray there. So if you're a Christian, if you're a Jew, and you go to uh, Israel where the Temple Mount is, and you start to pray, if you're not Muslim, the guards will actually tap you on the shoulder and tell you to stop praying. I've heard this from countless people that have physically been there to actually test it to see if this is true, and it is true. I have not done it myself, <laughs> but definitely, you know, I have seen uh, even cell phone footage of people, you know, sneaking a shot over their shoulders and the guards actually do tell them to stop praying if you're not Muslim on this site. So how on earth is this temple going to be reconstructed? Because this will actually be the third temple. The first temple was constructed by King David's son, Solomon. And then that was destroyed. After that was destroyed and the Jews were led into captivity, it was rebuilt by Herod the Great. Then, of course, the Romans destroyed that in the year 70. And since then, there has been no temple. So who will construct this third temple? And how will this temple be constructed when the Dome of the Rock is currently sitting on the ground? Now, there is much debate about as to where the actual temple was because the second temple was actually doubled in size. The walls were actually enlarged. So the actual holy site where the temple should lay is debated as to where it is, but the site is controlled by the Muslims and the Jews can't even pray there. So if you can't pray there, I would love to know how they're going to build a temple there. So conspiracy theorists ignite. And of course, we, we look at this stuff and we're trying to piece it together. Well, which world leader is going to come on the scene to allow these things to happen? How can this temple be rebuilt without starting World War III? Right? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy time to live in. And that is why a lot of uh, Christians are conspiracy theorists. Or as I like to say, <laughs> we're not really conspiracy theorists. We are 
conspiracy hunters because we wholeheartedly believe that the Bible is true and the end is told to us. Now we're just trying to put together all the pieces and then of course some of those fall, some of those people fall into the fringes and that's where the tinfoil hats and all those things start to come out because, you know, um, tr trust me, there is just a lot out there. However, all I can tell you for sure wholeheartedly, I believe that the temple will be rebuilt and these events will take place just as the Bible says they will. Because if you look through history and if you look through prophecy, all the different times when uh, great amounts of people were they put their faith in, in God, it was through something pointing them through the word, whether it be proclaimed orally or it was the written word that allowed people to say, wow, this message is really true. Let's really see what it says. So that's why all this stuff actually matters to us. And it's not just, okay, read your Bible. Don't worry about that stuff. It's we, we know the end of the story and we truly are trying to just put together the pieces. Now, more often than not, we are absolutely wrong. We're given no timelines. And, you know, so a lot of the times when guys come out and they start to say, oh yeah, it's going to happen by this date and that date. Well, the Bible definitely says no man knows the day or the hour. However, these are the signs leading up to it. So because of that, we get impatient. We try to put things together. We try to speed up the timeline and all sorts of crazy things. Because at the end of the day, we want Jesus to return. We want things to be just paradise on earth. No more death, no more suffering, no more sin and all those things. Of course, when Jesus returns. So we are anxious and we're sort of rushing the future, if you will. Uh, we're trying to uh, get to the end because we look forward to it. And that's why we're always looking for these conspiracies. Because I can definitely tell you for this to take place, some conspiring has to go down. I mean, honestly, like no matter how you look at it, like some, some, like some crazy stuff has to happen for that building to be uh, erected on that site. So what do you think? Let me know in the comments, of course, on all social medias. If you look in the show notes, you can get in direct contact with me. And of course, I'm giving out digital collectibles still. So if you message me, you DM me, whatever it is, uh, just look in the show notes to all the links. Of course, Bible Gum Media on most social medias. And you, you know, you can get some free digital collectibles that you can share with other people and we can have some fun. I have tokens, different pictures and different things that I'm actually just giving out. And I'm really trying to build a community of people that love the Bible as much as I do, that want to talk about it, want to share their faith, and just really want to understand Christian concepts. And of course, all of this is, is to strengthen our faith and get us closer in a better relationship with God and of course, through the, his son, Jesus Christ. So let me know what you think. And until next time, later.